Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast, your channel for the latest alumni stories in Boston and beyond. In this show, we'll catch up with Northeastern alumni who are out there achieving what's next. What do the bean pot and chicken loos have in common? They're both beloved Northeastern traditions, and hockey coach Jim Madigan speaks fondly of both. Coach has worn many hats at the university, from student to alumnus, staff to parent, and after 39 years on campus, he is a true champion of Northeastern. Hi, Coach Madigan. Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast. Pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. I think whether you are a sports fan or not, Northeastern hockey is ingrained in the campus culture, the traditions and memories, and we have three consecutive beanpot wins and this past spring, a season that ended too soon um, due to the pandemic. But beyond coaching, you are a member of the Northeastern family from student to alumni, staff to parent. And I just love to dive into where it all began. It's 39 years ago this month when I first stepped foot on our campus and I, I was volunteering, helping out with our move-in uh, process. And, you know, I walked by Whitehall uh, and that's where I moved in. It was a freshman in, in, the, in the fall, September of 1981. And I had flashbacks about, you know, pulling up the car. My mom and dad, we drove down from Toronto and you know, and moved in, and it was a different Northeastern, of course, back then. But it was it was great memories, and you know, it was in that building, Whitehall, where I actually met my wife. This time of the year is always exciting because it's a brand new, fresh faces and crop of new freshmen who are excited to begin their journey at Northeastern and their you know educational and college journey. So uh, you see, it's very vibrant around campus, even amongst a different type of move in, you know, this year because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see. I mean, I haven't been on campus myself, but watching like the pictures and students and there's still energy there, even though things have to be done a little differently. When you think back to your student experience in the 80s, right, what stands out to you as like the biggest difference than the one we see today? Northeastern back then we had, you know, probably 20,000 full-time undergraduates, right? And we had a, a housing capacity of probably 3,300. So we really c- cater towards the commuters and and only the freshmen for the most part and some of the athletes were on campus. And so it was a more of a transient experience back then. And saying that, we still all had a great time. We got a great education. We got we had a chance to meet some wonderful people and relationships and friendships that I hold you know, to this day. And the university did a great job of, of educating and, and co-op was a big part. And that was the one connector you know, for all of us at the university back then was co-op and you use co-op experience to help, you know, gain you a foot into the door professionally. You know, now this campus is, it's just taken off. So the difference from then to now, the physical campus for one is just tremendous. And and to see all the beautification and landscaping that we, the university undertook beginning in 1986 and Jack Malone and the physical plant people, and the facilities and, uh, have just done a great job with with the beautification. And then the residential experience now is on campus with all the new dorms. No longer that commuter school or res- residential-based campus. 
and a campus that has plenty of opportunities and amenities to offer our students. And then the academic experience. And again, we got a solid foundation, academic foundation back in the 80s and 90s, but it transformed itself academically, uh, the university has. And to the point where we changed our model, instead of bringing in 4,000 stu- freshman students every year, we brought it down to 2,800 and focused more on quality versus quantity. And it's paid off. You know, with that, you can attract better students, quality students. And, you know, the academic side of it is just tremendous. And, you know, we can cite the numbers of, you know, 70,000 almost applications every year for 2,800 spots. But when you combine all three of those, you know, the academics, the the social components and opportunities and the, the beautification, the aesthetics of the university, you know, it just is the home run. And and then under this leadership, you know, with President Yon has just taken our university to another level over the last 14 years where, hey, we're a hot school and we've been a hot school for a while. And I, and I, I know we're going to be a, continue to be a hot school, you know, for our students and uh, over the next few years. Personally, I've actually worked at Northeastern for the past seven years. And so, but when we think about loyalty and, and kind of tenure at a university, you definitely beat me, beat me tenfold on that. And so when you graduated, did you start right away on the coaching staff? Talk us through your career path up until now. What I was able to do with, while I was a student is get ahead of myself academically a few classes. So my last co-op job, I worked at the University of Vermont as an assistant hockey coach. So I wanted to get into coaching, a great experience with two fabulous coaches in Fernie Flamman and Don McKenney, who were my coaches and learned a lot from them. And they taught us a lot about, you know, growing up and being men. And so coaching was something I wanted to continue. I grew up in Montreal and Toronto. So I've been around the sport for a long time. And that experience through co-op allowed me to go to Vermont for basically a full, you know, two and a half semesters. Back then, we're on the quarter system. So it was the fall quarter. It was the winter quarter, a little bit of the spring quarter. I kind of stole a little bit of time there. And then I only needed to go to one quarter my senior year, which was my last year and graduated. So co-op really helped launch my career and opportunities into coaching. And so, and then I finished off my education, graduated in 86, and then an opportunity opened up with Bernie Flamin and Don McKenney, my two coaches, the gentleman who who I'd been around and learned so much from, now to work with them full-time. And I was very fortunate to be able to do that and get a full-time coaching position. And it tied in the same time when I mentioned before my wife, we were engaged through my, my last year, my fifth year at Northeastern, and we got married that late August. And, uh, and so I've just finished 34 full-time years at Northeastern in full-time capacity. And then we just celebrated our, our 34th wedding anniversary on August 30th. So oh, wow. a lot happens around that. Thank you. A lot, a lot happens in that you know, end of August, beginning of September time for us as a, as a family. That's amazing. So you worked also, I mean, now you're head coach and you've had probably a lot of different coaching responsibilities working your way up the ranks. And you've also worked in advancement and among other positions. So tell me about like your different roles at Northeastern and that process of then getting that head coach job. You know, I often say that there's so many of us when we graduate are very fortunate to have the Northeastern experience. I think I'm the luckiest of all our graduates out there because not only did I have a great experience as a student and as a student athlete, I continue to be able to come back to Northeastern each and every day. And I call it the the uh, Center of Excellence on Huntington Avenue. And I've also been able to have different experiences. I haven't just been in one role at Northeastern. So 
uh, as you mentioned, I was an assistant coach when I came back coaching for seven years. And then I was able to work in facilities and spend a lot of time in athletic facilities and learn a new skill set there under Jack Malone, who's one of my mentors and one of our assistant vice presidents right now of the facilities department who's been at Northeastern for 40 plus years. So I worked for Jack for six years and then learned a lot about the facility side of the house and did some project management work of the, at the arena. So I never was far from the arena, Megan, mm-hmm. through all my different tenures. And then was able then at that point, two gentlemen who were trustees at the university, Bunny Solomon and Bill Cotter, who I got to know really well, thought that the athletic development role and advancement would be something that that I would do well in. So there was an opportunity and I moved over to advancement and it was the best thing that I did here. So I was in advancement, but I worked in the business school after athletic development and the experiences and learning about the faculty, working with the faculty, partnering with the faculty really helped me as a person and as a professional to grow. And then it coincided the time when Diane McGillivray came in. The president started in August 15th of 2006 and Diane came the following year. And it was it coincided just as I was moving into a, into development for the business school. Then ultimately to come back to hockey. And you know, I always always say that my passion, I was at the cross section of my my passion of hockey and Northeastern University. People would say, What were your goals? Well, I just want to enhance and service the university any way I can. And this gave me that opportunity to return back to my roots of hockey and to be able to work with young men and help form their you know values and and, and teaching them about opportunities, just not in hockey, but outside of hockey. And and we've been able to have a you know fairly good run the last few years. And and then to work with a staff of our associate head coach Jerry Keith, who's just very, very, very good. And and Coach Michael McLaughlin, who was our captain the first year I coached and now is with us on the staff and to see his growth and development and and uh, you know Matt Harlow. So we've I've been really fortunate to touch a lot of different parts of the university and and I always, you always want to think you can contribute back to the university. And I'm hoping that I have, but at the end of the day, I've taken way more from the university that I've been able to give back and I'm fortunate because of that. That's quite the Northeastern network. I think we talk about that a lot and yours is, has no end. And it just is, I mean, it shows how you've been able to kind of navigate around and get different experience that gives you that, you know, well-rounded career. That's not, it's not just about hockey and I mean, I think there's a lot more to the sport than, and yeah. I love to get into into that with you. So what makes this sport special for you? And Meg, you're absolutely right. For me, it's just not about hockey. It's mm-hmm. about Northeastern. It's about the organization. The organization is Northeastern. And we always got, we all have our own individual silos and areas. But we always got to make sure that we're always looking out first and foremost for the institution. What makes hockey special? And for me, it's an easy one because if when you start playing hockey, first thing you have to learn is how to skate. And when you're four or five or six, whatever the age is, and for me it was age four growing up in Montreal on the outdoor rinks, what happens in hockey when you learn to skate? You fall down a lot. You fall down, you get up, you're holding maybe an eight carton pushing you around, you're holding the boards, grabbing on, you're going around, but you're falling and then you're getting up again. Well, isn't that what life's all about? You fall down and then you got to pick yourself up again, right? You have to face adversity. We all face adversity. And you learn that in our sport early on to pick yourself up. The, the most successful people in the, in the world are people who have failed. So that's the first lesson for me. And the second lesson is it's all about teamwork. And hockey is about is a team sport, just like a lot of sports are there. 
but you rely on each other. You rely on, on your line mate, your teammate, your defense partner, whoever it is for success. This sport is not won by individual success. It's won you win and you have success through a team environment. And so you learn all the lessons that team work, teammanship provides you. You know, working together for a common goal, pulling your own weight, you know, sacrifice, commitment, determination, drive. So that's what makes this, the sport special with me because all those lessons learned, you're going to apply later in life. I think that's so important to know. And I love hearing it from a coach's perspective because whether, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us have played on a team at some point, whether it's little league or up until like high school, college level, or even just as an adult, there are a lot of team opportunities too. It is beyond that. And I think we have all those sports movies to show it that there, it's not just about the score. It's, it's storytelling. It's so far beyond that. And I think what our whole Northeastern community has gotten behind is the bean pot. People who are talking about the bean pot, whether they've even followed the team game to game. And so you had the unique experience of winning a bean pot as a student. And then, of course, the last three, three bean pots. So what? is the beanpot to you and did the feeling change from as a student to a coach? And I'd love you to tell me a little behind the scenes. Yeah. And just one correction. I didn't win the beanpot because if you saw my (laughs) skills, man, you know that it wasn't my skills or maybe even coaching ability. So I've been really lucky to be amongst some real good teammates and be amongst, you know, good coaches, both when I was an assistant, when we won one and the last three years, as a head coach, to have a great staff and great players again. So I've been in the right spot, and I don't mind being in the right spot six times. I was fortunate to win two as a player, one as an assistant coach, and then, as you mentioned, the last three. And the experience is, is as a player, nothing beats the experience winning it as a player because you go through all the physical and mental anguish it takes to win the bean pot, right? There's a physical toll it takes and a commitment and a sacrifice. And yes, coaches make commitments and sacrifices, but not like the players. And in our sport, in a team sport, it's always about the players. It's not, not about the coaches or the X's and O's and all. It's about the players making the sacrifice and, and, and winning. And so as a player, when you win it, you know, it's like, wow, it's that accomplishment, right? the feeling of euphoria and something that we just did that special. And as an assistant coach, as a coach, you still, it's still special. It's a great feeling. Don't get me wrong. It's not the same feeling though, as you win when you're in the trenches. Right. And then when you think of the significance of the bean pot, so yes, it's winning it, but it's just not any other tournament. It's a tournament in this city that has Tremendous significance as a staple event in the city. It's a staple event just like the head of the Charles, like opening day at Fenway Park, like the Boston Marathon, like the opening of the Boston Pops, right? It touches the culture, the, the historical, the theater, the sport, all of it. And Boston, the bean pot has that significance and that stronghold here in the city. It's as much as it is an athletic must, it's a social must, mm-hmm. right? Because our Northeastern alumni who are going to games are working with other alums of BU, BC, or Harvard, maybe their boss, maybe they're, they're the employee. They all have their own traditions on. So it's just not for teams going to the garden and playing. It, it, 
branches on much greater than that. So when you win it and you know the magnitude, and sometimes the players don't realize the full magnitude until they graduate and they, they come back and expand. And certainly for me, I understand, you know, because of the alumni being involved in advancement and involved in, in our university alumni, understand what it means to the institution when you win. And so, you know, our players first and foremost have, you know, that tremendous experience. Coaching is a real big part of it. And then because my daughters are alums, my wife's an alum, and I have a lot of alumni friends and our student body, they're excited. And for me, winning the bean pot, all of those factors, all those facets the university get to experience and, and have the joy and the excitement of winning the bean pot. I'm thrilled for our student body when we win it because when they hop on that orange line from the Boston Garden, they're coming back to campus with the green line. And I know about it for so many years. You know, they were down in the dumps because we lose. And we, we just, as you know, went 30 years before 2018 before winning again. So I'm thrilled for them. I'm thrilled when they come back to campus and they can enjoy it. for our, our university community of faculty, staff, and administrators that they can proudly say we want it for our alums who come and support us so many, so often. It, it truly is a whole campus celebration and not even just in Boston, around the whole globe. We know our university is very, very far beyond Boston. And Megan, you're absolutely right about that. And I should even touch upon that. We have beanpot parties going on mm-hmm. in New York, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., Florida, all over. I'm sending apparel down there and so Kevin Upton, who's an alum and is down in DC, I mean, they get 150 people down there, right? And uh, and I don't want to take away from other alumni parties that alumni relations puts on. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. It's just not a Boston event. Thank mm-hmm. you for, for reminding me of that. So absolutely. Absolutely. So thinking back at your time at Northeastern in general, this is probably a difficult question, but do you have a proudest moment? You know, I, I do. Um, and it's not on me. Uh, the proudest moment for me, two of them, would be when both my daughters graduated from Northeastern. So my oldest daughter, Kelly, graduated in 2013 from the DeMore McKim School of Business with a marketing concentration. And then my youngest daughter, Kate, graduated in 2015 with an accounting uh, undergraduate as well as a master's in accounting, both in 15. And I was able to present both of them their diplomas on the on the floor of the Boston Garden. And I always worked the commencement each each and every year. And those two specific years, 13 and 15, I was on the floor with our dean. Uh, at the time was Dean uh, Hugh Courtney and presenting my daughters their diploma. So they had their own unique Northeastern experience and they had both of them had a great Northeastern experience. And at times they didn't mention their last name because they wanted to navigate through the university <laughs> on their own, which was fine. But for me, I, both myself and my wife were really proud of what they accomplished at Northeast. They both were part of the track team for three and four years and have great friendships and relationships and a great Northeastern experience and are both doing very well now professionally. But to, to hand out their diplomas to them was a culmination of their hard work in five years, and that was special. So switching gears just a little, we talked about Northeastern hockey as a tradition but so was a little sandwich shop on Forsyth Street, um, which opened in 1990 and recently closed down after 30 years. And we all know it as Chicken Lou's. I just want to ask you, as someone who's been around for, for all of that time, what was the sandwich shop all about? So Chicken Lou, and the owner was Lou Ferretti, and so, so the moniker Chicken Lou, 
1981, 82, when I started, you would have all these small little trucks, the small ones that would be up and down Huntington Avenue. Because again, we didn't have all the food options that we do have now. And so they'd be parked right in front of the quadrangle with their tops open and people would come in and buy stuff. And, you know, you couldn't park there. And the university was because it created, you know, traffic issue, right? Right in front of the quad and at the crosswalk. And so the university was always trying to get them to move on, move on. And Chicken Lou was one of those trucks. And then they would park down on Forsyth Street and a little bit of Forsyth and Greenleaf. And there was always a game of cat and mouse. And the university always trying to move them. The city of Boston trying to move them. And so I had to work part-time a little bit with Jack Malone at the time in facilities. Lou Ferretti then got a larger truck, you know, one of those higher ones where then you could you could do a little bit more food options. And he would then park it right in front of where he built his, his location and park it on the street there because it was a little bit quieter. And when I was working for Jack, I got to know Lou because I would have to say, okay, Lou, you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving, right? But I got to know him. And then the University of Lou came together and they built his location right there and it became a permanent location. Lou himself was just a bigger, a big personality, tall guy, booming voice. He'd be outside on the sidewalk. He all time marketing and luring them in by, you know, having to come in. The law school was right there. He connected very well and early with the law school. And then through that booming, infectious personality that, that he had, he'd be bringing them on off the streets, as I said, the old time marketer. And David, his son, and, and back then Denise, daughter, they were choir. They were doing and another gentleman who was there for a long time, doing all the cooking. And I guess, remember in the big high top truck and then in the permanent location, and they'd be coming in. And Lou would be yelling out the, the orders, chicken Lou and chicken ribs and... You don't know how they even got everything organized and how it ran and flowed, but it did. And through that, I got to be, when I was a student, a real good friend of Blue. And I'd always make sure from a university perspective, when I was making sure Lou was all set and, you know, because he would be using some of the water and things like that, just to make sure from a hygienic perspective, everything was going well. And I got to know him really well. And that was in, you know, 84, 85. And then, you know, I stayed on right away. So I'd see him and then all our hockey players would go and eat there. Not that it was the most nutritional, nutritious <laughs> you know, type of food, but it filled you up. And then, and then they would a little bit opened up at nighttime and, uh, and then just became a permanent staple to university. And Lou, the chicken Lou himself was just an awesome person and, and a real good guy. And unfortunately passed away early on, too early. And I remember going to his wake and, you know, seeing so many Northeastern people there because they just adored the guy. And um, and he was loud, but you could always bring him down if you talked to him and say, Lou, you got to calm it down a little <laughs> bit. You know, because he would, hands were going out there. The voice was going. It, it was just, he, he was really good. And then and his son, David, and his two daughters, Denise and another daughter, took it over. And, uh, and they're a staple. And it's funny because just before this interview, my youngest daughter got an email from the University of Illinois Relations about the plates. Mm-hmm. You know, and they go, Dad, how can we get one of those? I said, don't worry, I'll get you a plate. We'll, we'll, we'll be good there. But everyone's been touched in some way by by Lou. And and he's always a great supporter of the hockey program and the athletic programs and the athletes. And always looking out for the university students and athletes. And tried to be 
you know, a, a, a voice of reason to the students, you know, and student athletes and, uh, and just a, a big staple of the university for so many years. I love hearing your stories because most people um, didn't have a chance to know Lou, but they are familiar with his family and the family run business for so long. And I think what was what was tricky is that Chicken Lose was supposed to be open through April 30th, 2020, and with closing celebrations planned and canceled, unfortunately. And so I want to take a minute to announce to the listeners of this that, like you said, with your daughter getting the email, that we have these commemorative Chicken Lou plates that are for sale. And those were created in partnership with the family to something that would be a good celebration. And the proceeds going to a fund that meant something to them and it's going towards the student activities fund. So this is put on by annual giving and alumni relations. And I've seen the plates. They're really fun because basically only a true Husky would know what all these sandwich names are around the edge of the all Lou American and Lou's mistake and crispy Lewisius deluxe and more. And it's just a fun a fun way to really remember this this tradition, and it has the dates on it, 1990 to 2020, which I didn't even know about the trucks. I'm glad you told that story, oh, yeah. that it started before then, before you had that actual building on Forsyth. You could almost say, Meg, he's, he was on campus from 81 mm-hmm. to now, you know, almost spans of 40 years. I've seen the plate. I agree with it. They're awesome. And we have a house down the Cape that we're going to buy some and bring <laughs> down there. We have so many Northeastern people of our friends that come down and join us down you know, on, on weekends and and everyone knows Chicken Lou. And we've all been touched by Lou. And and there was a chicken Lou sandwich that I used mm-hmm. to get. It was it was a chicken cutlet on a on a roll with uh melted cheese uh sauce, sweet and sour sauce mm-hmm. is, is what it was. And so I'd go in and order my chicken Lou, you know, and uh, and he'd be I can you can still hear his booming voice, you know, with uh and he had that personality. I think that's probably why it became such a beloved establishment, right? Is there are plenty of places you can get a fried chicken sandwich, but it's it's about the the family, the personality, the the experience. People going in like how do they how do they keep these orders straight? And, and it's so small, you have to just funnel through. And Meg, at your point about keeping the orders straight, every hour there's a missed order, right? So someone comes <laughs> back and this is a mine. He goes, "What? You don't like that one?" <laughs> And then he'd go, come on, order me another one. And he'd be yelling to the cooks back there and he'd call me, you screwed up back there, you know? And <laughs> it was, it was a show. I mean, you went there for a little co- comic relief on yeah. top of it. Like, I mean, he was giving you the song and the dance and, you know, he could have been out there with Dean Martin and, uh, you know, and, and Jackie Gleason, you know, type of thing, you know, but no, he was, he was a bigger, per- big personality. And, and they, and then David, as I said, and the, and the family did a great job with it. And, um, and those those are the personalities, the people that make up Northeastern, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and we're fortunate at the university to have a lot of vendors who have been with us for thirty and forty years, whether they be working on facilities, whether they be you know providing other types of services that are not maybe not university employees, but are part of the university community. And we're really fortunate we have that. I have one kind of final question, and it's twofold. It's I know students are, are back on campus now. Things are pretty uncertain, I think, in the world of athletics. And I'm wondering how you're planning for your next season, how you're talking to your players. And then the other part is you're you're kind of known for your pep talks. So I think we could all use one. So how, what are your final words for bringing this Husky pack together? For us right now here in hockey, it, it's and we're unlike, unlike every every other you know, team and athletic team and, and, and group around the university, we're in a wait and see situation right now. 
And we always talk about control what you can control. So as a, as our team, we're just going to control what we can control within our own environment right now. And that's, you know, our guys have been working out, have been, you know, in, in the condition room and hockey, you know, the practice might be a little bit delayed. Yes, we might not be able to get in the weight room, you know, over maybe for another week. Um, so get out there and do some running, do some of the things, activities that you can do on your own, control your control. Because when the season begins, no one's going to say, well, you started late or you're not, you know, if you're not playing well, it's because of this. Hey, we're all in the equal playing field. What's happening at Northeastern? The same thing's happening over at the school at Commonwealth Avenue as a school over in Chestnut Hill and there's a school down and down the road in the city of Providence. And, you know, all those schools that we play against, you know, we're all facing the same thing right now. So, you know, control what you control, no excuses, just get yourself ready. And as soon as we can come together as a group, as a unit, as a team, we're going to push it. And we have to be flexible. If we all come with the right attitude, positive attitude, and not worry about what we can't control, we're all going to be fine. And then for me, hey, I'd say this university, hey, this university is faced with a lot of adversity, right? This and the numbers out there. Under this president and our leadership, we've just invested 50 million plus dollars to get us up and running. The easiest thing would have been just to go online, right? Mm -hmm. Remotely, right off the bat. We're not about easy. President Yoon and the senior leadership team is not about easy. We're about health and safety and welfare, but we're about providing opportunities to our students. In hockey, we're providing opportunities to our student athletes. So, hey, we're facing adversity and we're facing it straight on and we're going to overcome adversity. We have to be smart. We have to be diligent. We have to do the right thing, be responsible, but it's all about moving forward. And I call it inconveniences. We have inconveniences in our life, right? It's how you deal with those inconveniences. If you deal with them in the right way, you're going to come out on the other side in a positive way and moving forward and better off for it. If you can't deal with the inconvenience, and again, we have it, whether you have it in your at home life, in the classroom, in your sporting events, wherever it is, in the work environment, there are inconveniences. Follow the, the path and, and the, the example that's set forth right here at the university. Our students have to follow it. And if we, if we do the right things, we're going to be better off um, coming out of this. Well, thank you so much, Coach, for your time today. I loved hearing these stories. And I can't wait to, to watch some more hockey when we can get back to it. Meg, thanks for having me. I enjoyed this conversation and dialogue with you. I uh, appreciate your time. And yes, we all look forward to getting back to to uh, Matthews Arena because that brings some normalcy back to it, right? Mm -hmm. Our players want to play, our university community, our fans, our students, our alums, uh, administration, they want to come out and support us. So we're looking forward to that time also. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in purchasing a Chicken Lose commemorative plate, visit giving.northeastern.edu. This plate is in recognition of the sheer joy this establishment brought the Northeastern community for over 30 years. Your purchase price includes a gift to the Northeastern Student Activities Fund, specially selected by the Ferretti family. This is Megan Kirkbrisson from the Office of Alumni Relations. Stay safe and protect the pack. I'll talk to you soon.